Hello, I'm Richard Fern, and welcome to Warwick Podcasts. On July 13, 1955, Ruth Ellis was hanged. She was the last woman to be executed in the UK. Dr Norwood Andrews of the University's History Department has been looking into the history of execution both here and in his home state of Texas. He is currently working with the Triangle Theatre, which is staging a run of improvisational performances based upon the Ruth Ellis trial, as well as other executions in the UK. For today's podcast, we are joined by three of the performers from Triangle Theatre, Emily Ayres, Catherine Bond and Olivia Wintringham, as well as Karen Waterfield, who is the Artistic Director. Karen, could you tell us about the performance? Um, the, the journey towards the Last Women project has been a very long one. It started about five years ago when I, when I worked with some students on a project and I discovered during that making of that work the story of Ruth Ellis, uh, the last woman to be hanged and it was also stimulated by an interest in the Godiva myth, um, Lady Godiva of Coventry and also the story of Mary Ball, the last woman to be hanged and having done that project I always wanted to revisit the material and so after a lot of fundraising and heartache and trying to make it possible I finally managed to get the um, interest of the Arts Council the the Centre for the History of Medicine and the Wellcome Trust and the Herbert Museum to put together and collaborate on this project The Last Women. Could you describe to me what the performance is like? Uh, the, The performance weaves in and out of it's interactive performance it's a sense of creating a world that the audience or the participants or the spectators can enter into. It's a world created by these ladies of the Women Making Decisions group who invite you into their world and to participate in the world that they inhabit and then to go on a journey um, through a kind of ritualistic um, reenactment of an engagement with the ideas of the material that we're working on so it's a kind of immersive experience that's um it's not a straightforward simple end-on performance where you sit back in the in the audience and watch it you actually have to engage with the actors and and you go through a process with them you actually as an audience member make the thing work if you're not there then there's absolutely no point to the to the thing happening norma you're a historian working here at the university how did the collaboration work between yourselves and the triangle theater part of the background that i bring to this project is my past work on criminal justice in texas and how It has related to and been influenced by and influenced other aspects of society and institutions in society, including medicine. I uh, studied prison medicine in Texas. I looked at rehabilitative methods in the realm of juvenile justice. And ultimately, I 
also took on the task of looking into the death penalty. And the way in which it is done is a medicalized or perhaps pseudo-medicalized ritual, sort of a mimicry of medical procedure. And it made me interested in the ways in which medicine has been tangled up in some way with the long history of capital punishment and the death penalty in Texas and in other places. I was interested in the comparative history of the death penalty in England and in the United States, including Texas. Working with the, uh, the director and cast of the theater group gives me the opportunity to look at two particular cases of women being hanged, Ruth Ellis in the 1950s and Mary Ball here in Coventry in 1849, and to do a reevaluation of these cases uh, from a scholarly perspective, together with the inquiry, the exploration of their cases being done by the theater company at the same time. Um, this collaboration uh, was set up by the contacts between the theater company and the Center for History of Medicine here at Warwick, which sees this as part of its, its mission of outreach and engagement. As performers, how does it feel to be offered your your characters from a, a history textbook? Uh, well, the the characters themselves aren't from um, the history textbooks. Uh, rather, they are cre they are creations that we um, that come from ourselves. Sort of semi autobiographical. The characters are semi autobiographical. They come from aspects of us. But um, importantly, the research. The research offers the theme, so Mary Ball is the research, Ruth Ellis is the research, and those are the two very important figures for um, the last women and for the WMD, who are the character society that um, make the research into these uh, women's lives. Having, having actually been to one of your performances, I have to say it's probably the weirdest theatre performance I've ever been to in my life. Very entertaining. How, how does it feel like to be generating... Well, what were you trying to generate when you're there in that in that scenario as as performers? I think there's uh, it brings together what we're trying to generate, um, uh, sort of atmospheres and fragments of our material, and as um, as Karen's just said, that element of um, using the participant or the guest to delve into that material and to s explore it further using their oral histories and um, their experiences and combining it with our research as the women. We're trying to create snippets or fragments or feelings of some of these stories and some of the events and experiences of, of, of these women. I can see why maybe you <laughs> find it weird. I think that there's a certain element of sort of schizophrenia, I think, about the work from jumping from one perspective to another and from one side of the room to another side of the room. And that's kind of what we're trying to do, to throw these stories, the story of Ruth Ellis and the story of Mary Ball, up into the air and to see which bits you catch, if that makes sense, which perspective of it you catch. You know, Mary Ball um, poisoned her husband with arsenic, but she never... Uh, got the chance to speak at her own trial or anything she never got asked really she gave a statement but I mean what about the family of Thomas Ball her husband um, it, what was she a subject of domestic violence or was 
or or was she actually a really mouthy and kind of difficult wife and you know these kind of questions do people bring bring on what happens to them do they ask for it or you know do they enforce you know these are all questions there's two sides to every story more than two I think that the relationship, the th- it, it's as Karen said, the the theatre is very specifically about the relationship. That's that's effectively, in my opinion, what it is, and that's what's so important. It's not a proscenium arch performance by any means, and the um, audience are tasked in a way. They're given a role. It's when as soon as they enter the door, the 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 actors or the characters are the first people they meet. And I think what what Karen and what we as performers are really striving to to do is to create an environment in which the characters uh, feel to feel as much as possible like real people so when you're walking down the street you might bump into somebody and have a conversation with them and you engage in a conversation you engage in a conversation about something a theme and in and in this case with the last woman those themes are very specific ruth ellis mary ball um currently we're looking at the two bombings in coventry the 1939 bombing and the 1974 bombing and the ladies the characters have actually been out onto the street now taking the work out into the street and engaging with members of the public, sort of a pedestrian kind of performance. So the relationship is incredibly important in, in the work. You, going back to the comment about it being weird, as the ladies are walking through the street, a, a, scene, a scene is created as such. Not, it, it's not dramatic, but there's just something out of the ordinary, something on the edge, something not quite right, um, that, that, draw, that, that draws pe- pe- people's attention in and um, sort of... Um, and aids us to sort of tell the stories as well. Whether the ladies are out on the street interacting with the public there or are acting or are working out a situation on the stage or or in one of the places where the uh, work is being performed and presented to the public regularly, they are creating an improvisational space in which even though some things may be planned, the unpredictable can and will happen. And as I understand the the theater's work, one of the terms which Karen uses, which uh, perhaps uh, she can explain much better than I can, immersive museum theater, I think for the historian, um, the opportunity to be immersed in this improvisational space allows for... Uh, the chance to glimpse ideas being worked out which wouldn't occur to you if you were simply trying to engage with uh, the text in the archive. And I think for the public as a whole, uh, the opportunity is also there to be a part of that, to be immersed in the improvisational space and to experience the, the work going on from within it and to engage with it and not simply to be a passive viewer. Yeah, I think that um, the, the the theme execution and that near well, your your the fact that you're going to die. I made a connection between that and the actor at risk on the stage. I know it's not exactly the same thing. Of course, it isn't because you're not going to die literally, but it is as if you are on the edge you're in the most dangerous position that you can possibly be in and there's that sort of feeling of <gasps> that catching of the breath as the, the moment when the rope is 
you know, the trap door goes, that it's that that I'm trying to get from the performance, that it is so on the edge, it's so dangerous, but exciting, which sounds quite twisted when you're thinking about execution, but, you know, there were 20,000 people went to witness Mary Ball's execution, and it was an exciting event. It was, um, you know probably life-changing for some people and I suppose for me as a theatre maker the best job I can do is to make a piece of work that would hopefully change people I think that's what art should be about about changing people and um, that's that's the reason for doing this work really and also to to search out an emotional truth that is, as they are saying, as close to reality as you can. Yes, we're playing. Yes, it is a play. But the point is to take the actors to the edge and the audience to the edge, but in a framework that they feel supported in and cared for. I, I'm very interested in how far you can go. And also it links with forms of theatre where the shaman is present where you're, where the actor is like the shaman where uh, the ritual is, is the thing that the actor does this on behalf of the participants so there are some, there are some links with, um, with uh, ritual practice and that, that kind of work which I find really interesting and the way religion plays, the rituals of the state, religion, all these themes come into this work. And because we're researching in particular a very ancient myth, the myth of Inanna's descent into the underworld and her death experience, where she has the eye of death cast upon her by her sister Erish Kegel, Inanna is the queen of heaven um, and she's a goddess of fertility and in her incarnation as Ishtar, she's also the goddess of war. Um, she's an, a Sumerian goddess. She descends um, into the underworld. She hears the cry of her sister who's mourning the death of her husband and she wants to go and meet her sister Erish Kegel who is the queen of the underworld. And in order to go and meet her sister, her sister tells her she has to pass through the seven gateways and at each gateway she must take off something of her power until she is through the seventh gateway and she's naked before her sister. And then her sister casts the evil eye of death on her and hangs her on a hook to, ro to rot. It's a kind of um, classic story of um, a fertility uh, myth, really, um, Inanna, when she when she leaves uh, Earth, um, the, the the crops dry up, the, um, no no children are born, um, and then when she uh, comes back from the underworld, everything is fine again. It's it's like that three days in the in the grave, and then going back to Earth. It's a bit like the the Christian story, but it's it predates Christianity and Judaism, so it's ancient stuff we're talking about here and, and it, it's it's a goddess it's a, a woman's story and I made a quite a strong connection between that and the legend of Godiva who also uh, made an act on behalf of the people and she was she had to make this naked ride through the streets of Coventry on behalf of the starving people 
So for me, it was quite interesting to find that link and then to to look at the idea of the condemned cell um, and the 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 platform of the the scaffold as the sort of execution performance space. No, historians love ritual and studying uh, ritual practices from the past. For a long time, historians were interested in in understanding the normal procedures of ritual practices, the execution procession to to the hanging tree, who all was involved, who participated in what order, what did they normally do on that journey. Increasingly, uh, there is an appreciation among historians, I think perhaps belatedly grasping something that many performers and artists understand already, of the importance of the individual performer as not merely a passive actor acting out the script, but as uh, someone who can perhaps act out of the expected place in a given ritual practice. And I think that that element of individual improvisation actually is something that I might be able to understand a bit better from being a part of the work within the improvisational space with this company. And I think that 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 may be an opportunity for for others in the audience as well to see both uh, the reconstruction of the traditional ritual and also those moments of misfiring or apparently a slip up in what's supposed to happen, where the individual performer actually acts, you know, acts acts in some unexpected and revealing way, and I think that may be one one thing that gets us a bit closer to the experience, the actual experience of Mary Ball herself in the shadow of death, waiting for the hangman. Emily, you were nodding furiously there. I was just thinking about, um, yeah, that that this work is like having your back against the wall is what we're looking at, that feeling of um, what you do when you can't do anything else. Like, Ruth Ellis and Mary Ball both changed their statements when when they knew they were going to die and it is that that feeling of of getting to the point that you really show show your true colors but that isn't actually why i was nodding <laughs> i just wrote down reincarnation it's about in, inhabiting like like the shaman is is kind of yeah being taken over by something and that's kind of what you try to give to the um the visitors as well or the people that is the sense of being inhabited by something they're drawn in this obviously must be different for you as performers uh it's far more interesting as a performer to have that and more exciting and far more scary as well um and the way it comes about by accident this sense of complete a a sort of collision or uh something that an image or a word or a song that triggers something in your mind you you see something and you think i'm i've got to say it or you feel that that's the right place to say it and that's what we're working on um and we're still there's there's it's never going to be completely set i don't think in terms of, of of what's happening the hunch, the hunch of when something's right, and working with each other and seeing something, try and find the layers with the other other performers. So knowing when to speak. I, I think um, 
for me, directing or facilitating this process, it's about um, trying to encourage the actors to uh, be open to each other, mm. know a sense of timing. I mean, it's an, an ensemble of five at the moment, and then more when, when, when obviously, when the spectators are there. And, and that's the, the unknown what the spectator's rhythm is and it is you can talk about this in musical terms very much that um it is like jazz improvisation i think that i'm trying to en encourage um but then there's there is a a very um worked out training that they do vocal training physical training that the the audience wouldn't see but um they they need to sort of tune their bodies they tune their voices and um uh, in song and vocal action, physical action, and all of that goes on behind the scenes. Just, that's the material that you play with, and then there's the work with objects as well, and how you, how you the objects are not props as we would talk about in the theatre. They are actual ritual objects, like for example the rope that we use. It was a long time coming out. It was fourth. It was the fifth week that the rope allowed uh, allowed us to unravel it because we have to serve that object because it's going to serve us in the performance i'm not trying to be spooky about this but i, I was a long time before i felt i could uncoil the rope it, 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 there's a there's a lot of things going on it's not just about a free-for-all in the room it re, there, there's lots of training and I often feel like a football coach more than anything that you're sort of yeah that that yeah more of that you know when we're in the in the improvisations um, I'm always looking to see you know uh, how it's how, how the audience are responding and then obviously we talk about it afterwards as well. And and actually, I think the, the research and the performance um, method is quite interesting in the, way, in the way that it comes together because the, um, the, de the day is that you arrive at, say, 10 o'clock and you become the character. And um, we'll have visits from um, Norwood or Dr Andrews, as the ladies would um, call, call him, and other re researchers will come along. And it's actually the character that learns the information. So the character will have a very specific passion and the characters are sort of sim I'm reluctant to say simpler forms but they kind of are simpler versions of yourself as a human being because they have a very specific purpose their purpose is a women's group social group making this research and the researcher will come in so the the women will have some very specific questions that they will want to know and each woman represents a different gateway so at each gateway they're the, the lady, the character, will want to, to extract or ask very specific questions from the researchers. So um, Miss Winteringham, who is the character, would ask very specific questions about um, protest, um, conflict, and the research becomes like a character in itself, and the researcher becomes a character in himself. So Norwood has Norwood um, and Dr Andrews and maybe even another character. Norwood, do you feel as though... There are, there are characters that you play when you're working with the group. I did feel that I had become friends and colleagues with Miss Winteringham, Miss Bond, and Miss Ayers before I'd really come to meet and know Olivia and Catherine and Emily. I do feel still that I have a somewhat different collegial relationship with the ladies. Uh, from 
you know, from, from, from the actors that I have also come to know. And I'm not sure yet whether I inhabit a very different persona when I am dealing with um, the ladies or with the actresses. You know, I, 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 thankfully it doesn't hinge so much on my dramatic skills, but I think uh, just the very fact that this question is raised unexpectedly for me uh, points to the kinds of things that can happen in this, you know, when you're immersed in this space. The Last Women will be visiting the University of Warwick campus April 14th to April 25th, with performances on the 22nd and 23rd. For more information, visit warwick.ac.uk forward slash go forward slash chm or trianglethetre.co.uk.